Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the Weekend Recap Spooky Edition. And that means we're recapping Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. What a disappointing result to what should have been a fantastic fight. We're also recapping the war to settle the score between the problem child Jake Paul and the spider Anderson Silva. And we're recapping the rest of UFC Vegas insert number here. All this and more and it all starts right now welcome back everybody thank you for joining us it's episode 245 sunday is when we're recording this y'all are seeing this on monday happy halloween everybody yes yes now dominic i believe this is our third halloween episode we've done Mm -hmm. since we have uh since our inception yeah. Um, I'm sure last year I asked you kind of what's your favorite scary movie, because I believe we both found out that our favorite scary movie is Scream, the first mm-hmm. Scream movie. So yeah. uh, what a moment that was in uh, Below Average Joe's history. But yes, for this year, I want to ask you more about the slashers, you know, the the Jason Voorhees, the Freddy Kruegers, the Michael Myers, the Chucky mm-hmm. dolls, perhaps. Ugh. I want to know what's your favorite favorite slasher like just series you know which slasher is like your go-to yeah you know it really is unfortunate though because with all the slashers they just continue to make too damn many of them but if i had to pick overall counting all the good ones that were made i have to go michael myers i have to go halloween it's too much of a classic especially the original one jamie lee curtis the original scream queen there's something about Michael Myers, the way in which he moves, the way in which he acts, the little tilting of the head, the constant walking, never running, but knowing that he's going to have success in his endeavors. It's just quite the film. It's quite the story. I love it. Um, They should have stopped making them about 20 plus years ago, but it's fine. They're still making them in 2022, 50 years later from the first one almost. But yeah, I have to go Michael Myers, Noah. And really, he's probably pretty well ahead of the other ones outside of like a scream scream would be like number two for me in terms of yeah, like an see overall that, slasher series isn't that funny how scream is our favorite horror movie but that just shows you how bad the sequels are when <laughs> we don't put him above halloween or anything else right yeah. yeah or i don't know do you like the sequels to scream uh well i enjoy them but like number three couldn't stand number three Number four was like whatever. Number five, again, guys, like why are we making four, five, six of the same film over? I forgot there's a fifth one. Yes, the fifth one came out on my mom's birthday last year, I remember, because we went to see it. So it's just like, stop while we're ahead, people. Just stop. You had it so good. We don't have to keep trying to reinvent the wheel. That's all it is. Mm. Yeah, for my answer, I'm conflicted because there's only two that have actually legitimately giving me the spooks in my life okay as a kid it's chucky it had sure. to be it had to be yeah. yeah um my parents were pretty relaxed about what they let me watch as a kid um my dad let me watch south park when i was like i mean i south park was like my favorite show as like a seven-year-old just for <laughs> oh. context um uh, some of you may disagree with that method of parenting, but I turned out all right. So he's, he's um, good. Yeah. Um, but 
they were always pretty like you know i grew up watching just like dom wwe there was a lot mm-hmm. of you know in it not safe for work shit on there you know uh-huh. but I'm thankful for that because I think that kind of, in some way, I think it helped me develop faster. Like, you know, you're kind of exposed, even though WWE is a bit cheesy at times, that you're exposed to these, like, issues of, like, you know, all these these storylines would be focused on, like, relationship problems and friendships and all this stuff that you may not get if you're watching Disney or Nickelodeon, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm thankful for it. Really deep little answer here, but... Basically, I was allowed to watch Child's Play, you know, before probably most kids were. Actually, I remember we used to go to Hollywood Video by our house. Okay. I don't know, Dom, if you remember Hollywood Video, but it was in Springboro. It was somewhat close to a blockbuster, but we usually went to Hollywood Video. It's basically a blockbuster. It's what it, it's what yeah. it is. Um, and I remember my parents had just split up. I was with my dad and we were going to be making, I was in first grade. Okay. Miss mm-hmm. Brown's class. Me and Dom were in mm-hmm. the same class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was that night making my, um, leprechaun trap for class. Yeah. <laughs> you remember yeah, that? I do. So we go to check out a movie and I'm telling him, I'm like, I want to watch. And I think it was child's play three. Never had seen a rated R movie before. Mm-hmm. My dad's like, I don't know. I'm like, come on, like I can do, you know, I can do this. Yeah. So he gets it. We watch it. I loved it. My leprechaun trap was sick. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, once I started watching others in the series, it was actually Bride of Chucky of all of them that, like, mm. for for some reason, it just really spooked me one time. Yeah, and uh, it, it, Chucky just kind of haunted me after that. It was it just a haunting presence in my childhood. Yeah. yeah, but I will say I didn't watch the first A Nightmare on Elm Street until I was like close to graduating high school. Mm-hmm. That movie legitimately spooked me. Just just the idea. Yes, it's that very different from the others. Someone haunts your your dreams. Yeah. Like anytime you go to sleep, you cannot escape this guy. You can't outrun him. Uh, you can't kill him. Mm-hmm. You can't. Well, I guess you can technically, but you know, in theory, you can't kill him, right? Right. Right. It's not a doll that you can just rip to shreds. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is a. <laughs> this is some, basically something in your in your dreams. Like you yes. have to sleep. That's always that's uh, that spooked me when I first watched it. I was like, wow, I can't even imagine. The idea of like trying to force myself not to sleep because if I do, I'm going to die. I'm going to get murdered. Right. Not a good concept. That's terrifying. Yes. So I would say A Nightmare on Elm Street and Child's Play have the special places in my heart. Hot take. You ready for a hot take here? Sure. Um, Friday the 13th. There's not a single good Friday the 13th. Yeah, I've never been the biggest on Jason for the most part. The movies, like, I think Jason's the most iconic. The, like the, the look, mask. yeah, the yeah. hockey mask. I think he's the coolest looking. But I think there's not a single movie in the Friday the Thirteenth series that I go, hell yeah, I like that movie. Not even uh, what is it, Jason in space? Not even that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Or uh, Jason takes Manhattan. That was yeah. a classic right. too. Right, right. Um, 
But seriously, like I just I've never enjoyed any of those movies. Halloween, original classic. There's mm-hmm. a couple others that are pretty good. Halloween four, I think it's underrated. Yeah. yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, first one. I think they it's always the odd numbers, I think, in that series. First one's classic, you got third, fifth, whatever. Yeah. Every series in here has like at least one good movie. Even the child's play. I think the first child's play, it doesn't age well. But when you watch it for the first time, they don't come right out and tell you that it's a killer doll. Like the little boy is trying to tell people that the doll is right. like talking to him, trying to make him do things. But for all you know, when you're first time watching it, it could be just that kid is a little sick, twisted fuck. And mm-hmm. you just have no idea. So right. I think it works really well. It doesn't age great, but then even Child's Play 2 is pretty good. Look, uh, Jason's just not my, not my thing. Is it interesting to you because you're a big movie guy? I feel like we're having our closing statement at the beginning, but it's fine. It's spooky season. <laughs> yeah. We're talking scary stuff. That the uh, like not evolution of scary movies, but over the years it used to be like you know the slash Psycho, right? The OG slasher yeah. flick, and then you get to Michael and Jason and all these guys. But then now there's not really that many slasher films. It's more so of the uh, the haunting things, the possession mm. things, the um, psychological type scary movies. Is it interesting to you, like just kind of how the path? that scary movies have taken lately as a movie fan? Yeah, I mean, well, it's... I, I noticed that there's been a lot of trends in horror. I mean, horror, when it comes to, to slashers, those became a big deal in, like, the 80s. You know, mm-hmm. Halloween sort of kicked it off. Yeah, Psycho's, like, the OG. But really, 1978, Halloween, that's kind of, like, the, the one that really kicked it off. Yeah. And then Friday the 13th, I believe, was 1980, and... Once that movie made a ton of money, had a really small budget, studios started being like, oh, we can just like put a bunch of random people, like we can just take a yeah. bunch of actors that aren't very good, pay them very minimal, and then just, you know, do The profit's some- there. <laughs> yeah. Like then you had like a prom night was a slasher movie in the 80s. Uh, I think the house on sorority row, like all these, sl- these slew of like, Really, I mean, even worse than Friday the Thirteenth. Like, mm-hmm. just really dead, bad slasher movies came out, but they made a bunch of money, and they were yeah. made for dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the thing for like the eighties. Then the nineties, you started seeing more of those type of movies. I mean, Scream kind of was nineteen ninety six. That's mm-hmm. towards the end of the nineties, but. That's that sort of kicked off where horror was more like kind of recognizing um, more self parody a little bit, like mm-hmm. understanding some of its uh, goofy aspects and becoming more self aware. And mm-hmm. then the two thousands was like Saw, where it was like super yeah. gory. That's where the yeah. real gore heavy stuff started taking place. And yeah, the twenty tens have been much more paranormal activity. And then mm-hmm. well, that was conjuring. Like, yeah, Conjuring, and then it's now you're really getting into even more sophisticated horror. Like that's that's sort of what it's evolving to. Like a lot of these different studios are starting to be more sophisticated in their horror. Like, uh, what are some good examples? I mean, well, I'll give you one real quick because we actually just went and saw Smile two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and um, it was one of the better and scariest scary movies i've seen like in terms of new films in quite some time it was it got me 
Especially like in the theater. It was Wait pretty scary shit. Isn't Spinal that's a Blumhouse movie, I think. That's definitely not what I'm talking about with sophisticated horror, I don't think. But that's interesting though, because that movie got a bunch of shit for um did you hear about their marketing campaign? Where oh, it was insane. They had the they actors had, at like had, Dodgers games yeah, and everything, doing yeah. the smile thing, and then yeah. uh, and then apparently random people just started doing it. And yeah, it was freaking people out. So yeah, interesting. Um, I can't remember. There was some movies I had on the brain, but like now you're starting to get into more of the art house. Uh, mm-hmm horror movies that's sort of and even the last scream was sort of poking fun at that like why does this shit have to all be artsy you know why can't we just have like a good slasher every once in a while so Mm -hmm. um it's it's interesting horror is not my favorite genre it's actually probably my least favorite (laughs) yeah not that i have any sort of issue with it like a a good horror movie is great like i mean the conjuring awesome like scream like i said one of my faves but i don't like to be scared right so (laughs) you're not gonna seek it out yeah like i just i don't enjoy being spooked so i don't seek out that experience yeah that's fair that's that's just that's why i prefer you know action comedies dramas whatever like that's that's more me yeah for sure well, I think we did a enough of a opening <laughs> statement here to yeah. transition into uh, you know the spookiest deal on the market right now. Dom is with PointsBet Sportsbook. Yes, and that's because they're offering you, the viewer, you, the listener, up to two thousand dollars matched on your initial deposit to the PointsBet Sportsbook. There are two ways you can make good on this offer. One, you can go into the description of today's episode, click the link, sign up, you get the deposit, or you put in your deposit, and then they will match it. Uh, Also, you can download the PointsBet Sportsbook app, take a look around, see how everything feels, you know, test drive everything, Mm -hmm. and then you put in your initial deposit. But when you go to sign up, you got to make sure you put in code MMAJOES. Oh, yes. MMA Joe's uh-huh. at sign up, put in your deposit, and then they will match it. So shout out to PointsBet Sportsbook. And with that, Dominic, let's get into the main event of UFC Vegas, well, whatever the number is. So right. in this main event, Arnold Allen does get the victory, Dominic, but it does not happen under the circumstances we would like to be talking about as he is credited with the TKO over Calvin Cater, eight seconds into round two. But as many of you know, I'm sure if you're watching this, uh, Calvin Cater's knee basically exploded in the first 10 seconds of round two, and the fight was over. So, Dominic, I'm going to start by throwing a statistic at you that I read on Twitter. Yeah, I know uh, in, UFC, in UFC history, there have been 13 main events that have been ended via an injury caused in the cage. Uh, four of those have happened in 2022. So it, what's yeah. the difference with this year? Is it just bad luck, or is there anything that can be changed to to stop this? Ah, dude, I think that's just the nature of the beast, right? That's the sport. You never know what's going to happen in that cage. And uh, the fact that four, though, have happened this year, and really five in the last two because Connor was last year, that's almost half of that number in 2021 and 2022. So it's a shame because they've all been – you know, very important fights. Obviously, they're main events, so they all have importance. But I'm talking like, you know, 
potential title shots on the line when you look at Rakich's knee blowing out, Calvin Cater's knee blowing out last night with Arnold Allen. Um, what was the other two this year? It was uh, – Did gosh. you already say Brian Ortega? Brian Ortega and Yair. And I'm uh, Tom Aspinall. Yes, Tom Aspinall. Oof, that one really hurts me. So, I mean, look at the implications in all four of these fights, and it hits even harder. But there's nothing you can do. I just think that's what happens. Sometimes freak shit happens. You know, Calvin, um, it happened late in that first round where it popped, and you're like, oh, shit, there's a problem here. But he tried to muscle through it, power through it. But as soon as that second round started, all Arnold had to do was throw one kick, and he knew that it would give way. It's a shame. It really is. It's sad. It's unfortunate because it's career-altering stuff. Some of these mm. guys, they may never even get back to where they once were before the injury. I don't want to say that for certain, but it's just a possibility when you think of it. It's just very sad, man. And it does hurt the winners uh, to a certain extent. You yeah. know what I mean? It almost just puts a little asterisk next to the win. So it hurts it kind of, Well, it depends on what, where, what position the person who ends up winning is in. Arnold Allen, this is devastating for him. Yeah. Because he's got this huge win streak. Yeah. This feels like his moment to not just a coming out party because it's his first main event spot, but also his opportunity to seize the moment, to cash in, to put on a hell of a performance and earn himself a shot in line to fight Volkanovsky whenever he comes back to the featherweight division. Yeah. That's just not what happened here. Yeah. Arnold Allen looked great for what we saw. But there's too much unknown about what could have happened with this fight. Calvin Cater definitely could have came back here and mm-hmm. um, won the fight or whatever. But Arnold Allen does get the win. And actually, Dom, what's funny is it's actually six in the last two years because don't forget Chris Weidman, his injury Yeah, that well. was last year too. Um, so that's just kind of – that is crazy. That's six in the last two years. That's half of that list. It is, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think there's really – I don't know if there's anything that can really be changed. Although I will say after TJ Dillashaw's experience with UFC 280, I do question a lot of the physical exams Mm -hmm. that these fighters go through with um, the medical professionals. It sounds like they're very minimal. It's basically if the fighter tells you they feel all right, then they're good to go. And – Maybe that just shouldn't be the way it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, you, we've seen that fighters are willing to go into fights with uh, very severe injuries and just, you know, go for the Hail Mary. But yeah. um, it just leads to stuff like this, and it's just a shame because, I mean, I'm not saying that's what Calvin Cater did. For all I know, this just happened in the fight. It wasn't something he walked in with. Right. but. In general, you do kind of wonder if there could be something improved in the process. But for now, Dominic, I guess there's not a whole lot to talk about the fight. But we can kind of talk about, since this does hurt Arnold Allen, you know, is it seem like more than ever that this featherweight uh, contender, whoever's going to be the number one contender, does it feel even more up in the air now? I I think it... mm... I think it more so solidifies that pr- something's probably going to happen with Emmett and Yair now. I think that I feel more confident. And, uh, and again, it, it is a shame for Arnold Allen because he has won 10 fights in a row. This was his biggest, technically, right? But uh, really, the win over Dan Hooker still says more than this because <laughs> there was no injury in that one. So it's it, it's uh, 
I think it's a little bit more clarity for the top because I think we are going to probably honestly get an interim title fight at some point between um, Emmett and Yair. If Arnold Allen would have went out here and won complete dominance, got a finish without the knee injury occurring, I think there's more con- I, I think there's honestly probably more confusion on this Monday recap episode because then you really do have a three-headed race and how are we going to determine who gets where. But now I think it's two people, Emmett, Yair, Arnold Allen. You might just have to wait and see. Mm. So I guess you do not trust the words of Dana White who said there will not be an interim title. I sure hope so. But apparently I do not trust those words. <laughs> Do not believe his lies is what people <laughs> always say. Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw an interim title. I think a lot of it kind of depends on what happens with the Volkanovsky-Makachev fight. Like, yeah, we know Volkanovsky wants to stay active. But what if he takes that fight with Islam and his arm gets snapped? Well, yeah, not going to be able to stay active then, pal. Yeah. So... I think what I actually, Dominic, I still kind of stand by. I think Emmett versus Rodriguez is going to be a fight made here. Uh, not, it won't happen before the end of the year, but I think it'll be made by the end of the year. I, I think they need to try and time it with Volk as close as they can. They should, but try I don't think they'll be putting an interim title on it. I, think I, I hope be... they like. We don't need it in all honesty, right? We don't want it. We just need him to fight. You know what I mean? I just, I just don't see if by the end of the year, let's say they book it for March or April or whatever, but I don't think they'll be committed to an interim title until Volkanovsky either has a delayed return after the Islam fight or whatever. So I think that fight gets booked before there's even a chance to – or before they even decide that that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I could see a world, Dom. Volkanovski has kind of a hellacious fight with Islam, has to take some time off. I could see Arnold Allen somehow sneaking into an interim title fight versus the winner of Yair Ooh. versus Emmett. So okay. just uh, there's a lot of scenarios and what-ifs and forward thinking, but... I don't think the Yair Emmett matchup will be in of itself for an interim title. That's just I'm sticking with that prediction for now. I like that. I don't mind that little pathway at all. I think yeah, for Emmett and Yair, I think you try and schedule them in January, maybe even February, as close as you can to Volk's fight. And then if Volk is in a war, like you said, or loses that fight and wants to take more time off, if he's fighting Islam in February, say take six months off, he'd be back in August. So that would be 13 months without a title defense. Yeah, I could. It's, it's interesting. I don't know. I it, it really does feel, even though the winner of this fight was Arnold Allen, the biggest loser in this entire situation is also Arnold Allen at the same mm. time. You know? And does it? I don't know. It's hard to say that when the other guy literally snapped his knee. Like, it's just yeah. <laughs> hard to say that the biggest loser is not the guy who's about to lose a year of his career. Mm. But I get your point that it's not. I guess it's not as obvious because Arnold Allen had a lot to gain from this, right. but um, I will say that while we're while all these scenarios we're throwing out are you know good ones, I think I think they're pretty decent predictions of what could happen. I also fully admit the UFC will the UFC don't really operate under a you know what makes sense 
uh, mentality, especially when it comes to interim titles. Yeah. Um, what'll likely happen is there'll be some sort of pay-per-view where they maybe a title fight falls out or something, or a big fight falls out, and it feels like they need to boost it a little bit. So they'll just smack an interim title on there, which yeah. when Yair and Emmett, and even though, for all we know, the winner of that will be fighting two months later against Volkanovski for the real featherweight yeah. title. That's likely what's going to happen, but um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, we shall. Uh, let's move on to some headlines, Dominic, and uh, we start... Yeah, there's, uh, there's something about these Halloween shows and Anderson Silva, man. <laughs> oh, Anderson Silva. I was uh, going to talk about the biggest fight of the weekend between uh, Uriah Hall and Le'Veon oh, Bell. How can uh, I forget? Yeah, Uriah Hall got the unanimous decision victory over Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell did not throw. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to fuck up the joke again. Hit the hole something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I was saying, I, I hope he hits his hooks harder than he hits the hole because yeah. he always took like 10 seconds to hit the <laughs> hole. But he did not. He took his time and he, he, this, I mean, this fight sucked ass. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, it's, hey, at least you're giving him shine, right? Your eye hole yeah, called I mean, out, of course, Jake Paul, because what MMA fighter doesn't call out Jake Paul yeah, these days? Yeah, I just, I'm just being honest. This fight sucked ass. It's just, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. But, so you're telling me you actually didn't need to see that fight to have a content life and happy Saturday? Wow, I would have never guessed it. I'm, 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 I'm sensing some shade here being thrown. Maybe it was just a little bit of sarcasm, but you know. <laughs> But now we'll talk about the the main event, of course, where uh, Jake Paul gets the unanimous decision win over Anderson Silva. Now, Dominic, yeah, I know this one hurts. I am going to take a guess that you could not help yourself but tune into this due to the fact that Anderson Silva was fighting. Let's just say I was um, keeping very close tabs. We'll we'll put it that Mm -hmm. way. And, um, you know... I'm trying to follow along. I'm trying to read into all the tweets, all the video clips that they're posting. And things are looking pretty good. Kind of good. I don't know. It was very hit or miss. I was seeing a lot of Jake Paul's doing this, a lot of Anderson Silva doing that. And a lot of people are talking very good about Anderson, how they thought it was a sham that the judges' scorecards had Jake Paul up 4-1 to at one point or something, 3-1, to blah, 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 as the fight's going on, of course, because he obviously (laughs) won this fight. And um, as round by round went on, I did have a bet on this fight, and I felt that withering away. Because I just, I did feel like, hindsight, I'm a dumbass. Why would I bet money on a fight that, even if Anderson did clearly win, Jake Paul would have probably still won. You know what I mean? But, Mm -hmm. you know, I put my money on it anyways, because, you know, fucking spider, baby. But then... Noah, the the video, the portion of the fight that I didn't need to see, but unfortunately did see, was in the eighth and final round of that fight. Jake Paul drops. Anderson Silva. And that's when I knew that I was going to be hurting today. I was going to be hurting on this Halloween edition. And uh, it's just, uh, it's painful. I'm feeling tears starting up in my eyes the choking up in my throat but as my great co-host is known to do he did check in on me last night he texted me and said dom how you doing how you holding up 
And I, I just appreciated that him really caring, him looking out for me. So that's all I can ask for after last night's endeavors. Noah, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, I, I I felt for Dom. I did because this is the guy that got Dom into the sport. Um, this is why, if if not for Anderson Silva, Dominic is not sitting in front of you guys yeah. doing this show today. Yeah. So I know how much he means to him. I know that we have not been uh, avid supporters of this Jake Paul circus. Um, we've been really hoping to see it kind of go down in flames a little bit. Yeah, call us haters, whatever. I mean, we're we're not saying we're not. Yeah. But um, and he just keeps winning, and here he he got a victory against maybe the best MMA fighter of all time. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It, what a timeline we're in because uh, this feels like the worst timeline. <laughs> so, <laughs> you now you have Jake Paul who has defeated three very good MMA fighters in boxing matches, but mm-hmm. still in combat sports. And now he's calling out Nate Diaz to make it a fourth. And Nate was there, right? Yeah. And uh, actually, let me just say, I actually did watch this fight. I did. I admit it. Did I pay for it? Um, I'm going to pull the Dana White move of like, yeah, of course. Right. You know, just yeah, totally. Why wouldn't I? Of course. Um, anyways, I thought Anderson Silva had this fight in the bag. Yeah. Around round five or six, the pressure he was putting on Jake Paul, Jake looked like he was seeing ghosts there. Yeah. And then somehow in the last two rounds of that fight, Jake just kind of came back. Round seven, he had a good round, and then round eight. When he dropped Silva, I knew it was over. Yeah. Because my prediction, I sent this in our group chat with our friends, and right before the fight started, I said, my final prediction is that Jake Paul is going to win this fight, but it is going to be a split decision that most people think that Anderson Silva should have won. Mm -hmm. And then in the post-fight in the ring, they're going to ask him about a rematch. He's going to show no interest, and instead he's going to call out Nate Diaz. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I was almost there. You were, you were very <laughs> close. Not, not, not quite because it, I, I do think that the right guy got his hand raised here and that's crazy to say, but um, the scorecards were much more lopsided in Jake Paul's yeah. favor than they should have been. I mean, Jake Paul, if he did not get that knockdown in round eight, I'm pretty sure should have lost that fight. Mm. Because knockdowns, Dom, I don't know how much you know for, for boxing. Pretty much, if you get a knockdown around, that's almost a guaranteed 10 8. That's what I was picking up, yeah. So, Anderson tried to come back. You know, he, did, he didn't get dropped again or anything, but um, ultimately it was probably a 10 8 round when I think it swung it in Jake's favor. I think if that doesn't happen, if Anderson just wins that round, he wins the fight. But, yeah. That's the way the cookie crumbles or whatever. But I did say on Thursday, Dom, that I, I, if Jake Paul won this fight, I gave him credit for taking this fight. I understand Anderson Silva's 47 years old. It would be nice to see the guy fight someone more his age. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play that card. I'm not going to say, oh, he's only fighting old men. 
who are past their prime, blah, blah, blah. Anderson Silva showed he could still go mm-hmm. before this fight. So Jake Paul beat Anderson Silva. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm I will gonna... say quickly mm-hmm. to that narrative that I saw a lot of that. A lot of MMA media heads, a lot of MMA fighters even, maybe not as so many as fighters, but I saw some that were giving that credit where it was due, that were tipping the hat, giving the respect. And as much as this pains me, because it absolutely does pain me very badly, um, I would have to agree with you, and I'm going to be in the same boat. There's no reason to keep um, knocking it. And I mean, we've been, we've had the respect for him for the side of playing the hustle and getting the money yeah. and playing this whole thing. It's working. Um, yeah. But we just weren't big on like the fights and whatnot, right? But right. after this one, I do have to give him a little bit of credit where it's due, and uh, I, I have no shame in that. I feel good. It's like a, a, a Band-Aid that I just had to rip off this morning. Yeah. So I just wanted to add and I will that. say that the fight was actually pretty good. Like, yeah, it wasn't like high-level boxing, but it was fun to watch, mm-hmm. I thought. Um, I was definitely invested, which is kind of crazy to even <laughs> say. Yeah. So I guess um, – what I what really stood out to me, Dominic, was just how many people in the MMA world were involved with this event. Mm. I mean, Ariel Hawani mm-hmm. on commentary in the main event. You got GSP, yeah, doing the face-offs. He's doing the um, he's kind of playing the Anthony Smith role for the UFC broadcast, like he's up at the desk and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was also very interesting seeing guys like Anderson and GSP kind of speak in somewhat of a negative light about the UFC. Mm. UFC took a bit of an L this weekend. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I, I, I'm fine with that, yeah. Because, I mean, their main event, their their fight night was already kind of shit, and then the main event ends up crashing and burning. Mm-hmm. And then you got this other event that more people, there were more eyes on to begin with. Yeah. You have your one of your best fighters in your history of your sport who nearly made, in this fight, this circus fight with Jake Paul, nearly made more than he did in his highest purse he ever got with the UFC. And you have GSP there to also talk about how the UFC, why the fight between him and Anderson never happened. The UFC weren't willing to accommodate him and give him what he needed and blah 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 Mm. um big fat l for the ufc this weekend yeah wow and it's not gonna stop jake paul is gonna keep going he's going to box nate diaz and he's probably gonna win oh wow you really just went out and said it there i'm i well i've i don't i don't see what else i can do here dom because i've every step of the way i said he was gonna lose and yeah might as well just say it right (laughs) i mean he beat Anderson Silva, Nate Diaz. I, I hope I hope I'm wrong, but you know it's he's probably going to win that fight, and then he's probably going to box Conor McGregor, and then he's probably going to beat Conor McGregor. Wow, we really just went quickly there, huh? Oof, this is me. Co- this is cope- coping. We're right coping, now. right? Right. <laughs> I mean, dude, yeah, he he's literally about to box Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is now a free agent, just had his final fight in the UFC, was at these fights, got into the skirmish. It's already begun. The skirmish happened between Team Diaz and Team Paul backstage last night. He's flipping off the screen of Jake Paul at the 
uh, pre-fight way or uh, press conference. It's there. It's all there. The storylines are there. And uh, now it's going to happen. And it's, I mean, it's not going to be long before it happens. It's going to be like first quarter of 2023, probably, or sometime like that. And they're going to try and uh, absolutely hype, hype this thing into oblivion. I'll be very, I wonder what the numbers were last night on the pay-per-view side of things. Because the arena was relatively good from every video I was seeing in terms of seats mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, I, I saw where there was like a lot of open seats going into the fight week. I, I don't know how normal that is. I'm going off of what I'm reading on Twitter, so you know mm-hmm. who knows. But I expect this did pretty well on pay per view. Yeah, I do. I, I feel like there was a lot of interest in this fight, even by people in our circle who are not really into this kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. Not knowing the pay-per-view numbers, obviously, from Saturday. Oh, God. But, yeah. What do you think? What do you think? Jake Paul, Nate Diaz, on the marquee sign out front of the oh. arena. Oh, what's okay. it popping on the oh, What's it popping on the pay-per-view numbers, Noah? What's it going to do? Uh, what are we hitting? What did him and uh, Tyron do, like 84,000 or something like that? <laughs> the second one, I, I guess, didn't do very good, yeah. <clears throat> Um, he's probably hitting a million. Genuinely? Or are you fucking with me? Uh, him and Nate Diaz? You think they're hitting a million? Probably. I, I think him and Tyron's I think him and Tyron's first fight hit like five hundred or four hundred really? thousand. Wow. I think so. Wow. The second fight didn't do very well, but I mean what there a world! Really a lot of interest. I don't know what him and Anderson ended up doing. It wouldn't surprise me if it was around six, seven hundred thousand. Holy shit! Wow. We'll see. Well, it sounds like, by my guess, that you were not going to guess that high. No, but I didn't know that well, him and Tyron first fight had that many. I but think like- it did. I don't remember for sure. And you know, you have to understand, like, this is also the guy who claimed him and Askren did over a million bucks. And Triller tried to say that they did over a million buys, but you know, how much can you really trust when a lot of the the numbers come from Jake Paul himself? So yeah, I mean, man, no, it's your reaction though. Well, did what would be your guess? Surprise me. I, I was gonna say, um, Don't, I was gonna like say five hundred thousand. Okay, five hundred thousand. Yeah, I, I mean, I. I could be wrong. I'm not going to claim to have a great pulse on these things because, like, there's a lot of fighters that we think are, you know, big deals, and then it turns out on the pay-per-view end they don't really deliver. I mean, Jorge Colby Covington, I think, did under 400,000 buys. Just remember that. So, Yeah. Also, I do want to quickly say as well, because of the pre-fight deal that went on, uh, all of that is probably going to be out the window now, by the way, that whole fighter thing, you know, the health care and whatnot. Uh, that will never be talked about again, more than likely. So just don't forget that that was said, by the way, everybody, too, just so it's clear. Yeah. Uh, let's get on to the next headline here. Askar Askarov was supposed to fight Brandon Roval a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, he had to pull out of that bout, as he's had to do a couple times in his career. And Dominic, he put an Instagram post out there saying that he asked for his release. Yeah. From the UFC, and he is taking time away from the sport to get his health right. Um, I guess just, you know, 
props to Asgard for speaking out about this kind of stuff. You know, yeah, us guys. Yeah. You know, there's a whole lot of a whole. There's some bad vibes in the guy community where it's like you know, speaking out about your mental health and stuff is some sort of weakness and that it doesn't make you a man if you don't just deal with it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I appreciate that Arnold or that Askar Askarov, excuse me, was uh, um, speaking up about, you know, some of his issues and what he needs to do. And I hope he gets the help he needs and gets his body right, his mind right. And then he can potentially come back or just live a better, more frugal life uh, outside of the cage. Copy and paste for me. You, you said it all, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's move on to the rest of UFC Vegas, uh, whatever number it was. <laughs> Had a great moment before the fight, Dom, where he was talking about, you know, trying to, to be, well, it was like being a role model for his kids, right? Like trying to give them mm-hmm. something that they could <clears throat> watch and say, like, I want to be like him, you know? And then he goes out there and the spirit of spooky season gives one of the spookiest submissions I've ever seen. Josh Fremd. This guillotine was wow. disturbing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what did you think? I mean, this is submission of the year. I, I, th- I thought Josh Fremd's head was going to roll across the cage floor. It was insane. Um, I've never seen a guillotine grabbed so tightly like that in the position that it was in was very awkward as well i've never seen the positioning like that or anything ever and i've never seen a he put him to sleep too it was very badly then his head just bounced off the canvas it was some savage shit that was spooky to say the least for halloween yeah that's the mission of the year no doubt about it right now because that shit had me about the shit my pants (laughs) next one khalil roundtree yeah. Gets the win over Dustin Jacoby via split decision. Also in light of spooky season, Dom, because this decision made me turn white as a ghost. Yeah, and it haunted our fucking bet slip, too. Let's just keep the puns coming, Noah, because we both had money on Dustin Jacoby. Three whole units that we're going to talk about. And it seemed like, although it wasn't some landslide of a win, a landslide of a performance for Jacoby, it felt like he was just winning the fight. Round one was relatively close, but I thought he won that one. Round two was all Jacoby. Round three, personally, I did score for Khalil, but I had it two to one for Dustin Jacoby. He he more than doubled. I don't know. We don't want to talk about strike numbers all the time, guys, but in this fight, I think it's fair to discuss it. He more than doubled Khalil Roundtree, and he still was putting damage onto Khalil. Khalil just wasn't wearing it as bad as what Jacoby's face looked like at the end of the fight. But Roundtree gets the split decision victory. He takes that win streak away from Jacoby. He takes the number 13 ranking away from Jacoby. Our guy, Dustin Jacoby, cannot catch a break, no, when it comes to his matchups and who he's getting paired up with. We felt he should have been fighting top 10. He wasn't. Now he's going to be out of the top 15. I know this hurts you as much as it does me. Yeah, I got to first off by say that I no disrespect intended to Cleo Roundtree. He seems like a great guy. I know he spoke out a lot about his issues and after his last fight. So I mean no disrespect here, but um, this is a travesty. <laughs> I don't know who else to even work. That's, I have a betting bias here for sure. 
But why, why is it that the entire MMA community, basically the entire community, can score a fight two to one for Jacoby, and then two of the three people that actually fucking matter what they score a fight just don't see it that way. I just don't understand how this happened. This happened with Jan O'Malley. Yeah, I know. There's more people coming out now and saying, oh, I actually scored the fight for Sean O'Malley. No, you didn't. Don't even lie to yourself. You didn't score the fight for Sean O'Malley. Every single person that fight scored it for Peter Jan. Every single person who watched this fight scored it for Dustin Jacoby. And outside of the fact that we lost money, I'm not going to be selfish. I mean, Dustin Jacoby should have been fighting ahead. He should have been fighting top 10. And now he's fucked. Now he's out of the top 15. And I I just, I hate it for him. I do. I mean, I lo- I'm glad Khalil Roundtree's getting a little more love and shine and he'll have mm-hmm. a, a top 15 spot. But I'd rather him, you know, get a victory to do that. Like, this, this didn't feel like a fight that he should have won. It just right. didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess with that, Dominic, we will we'll move on to the next one here. This was a this was a pretty brutal fight to watch. Roman Lidze gets the first round knockout of Phil Halls. Um, basically, this fight was over the moment Lidze kind of snapped oh. Halls' knee. What was that that he? What was that that he did? Was that a knee bar that? He- was pull I remember. He, he he rolled him into like uh like an ankle lock almost uh, like a heel hook but, but dude when he when he yanked it oh god oh it, well, it was not good not good mm. Mm. it was yeah. ugly and Phil Hall's a guy who depends in the in the striking aspect of his game he sort of depends on his movement to sort of evade shots rather than like keeping his hand high and having a really solid guard. So uh, once that injury happened, he was a sitting duck, and then he got mm-hmm. fucking flatlined by Delizze. I mean, what a brutal loss for Phil Halls, but uh, definitely a performance for Delizze that makes him very scary, if you will, Dom. <laughs> yes, that was a good performance for Roman Delizze. He's had a couple... You know, fun fights that he's been on. Another guy, a Georgian fighter as well, because kind of there's a lot of those uh, fighters coming in right now, having good performances, and Roman Delizze is one of them. This is a big win. It's his biggest win in terms of name value, too, and the way he did it. I mean, I'm pretty sure he got a performance bonus, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he absolutely put Phil Halls to sleep with the knockout after the fact, even though he could have just won the fight by submission. So, yeah, it was quite the performance, something that he needed. I'm curious to see what he can do, actually, in his future. He's a good fighter. And finally, this one was a bit of a surprise. Pretty heavy underdog. Steve Garcia making his debut at 145 pounds. Knocks down Chase Hooper four times in the first round. In the first, this fight only went a minute and a half, Dom, and he dropped Chase Hooper about three or four times. What a performance from Steve Garcia. Um, I was worried. I am so mad at myself for not putting my money where my mouth is. I, I had a feeling about Steve Garcia, and I didn't fucking pull the trigger because I respect Chase Hooper and his submission abilities, and he's got the 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 length and reach to really kind of get Steve Garcia into his world. 
But uh, this was one-way traffic from start to finish. Uh, It definitely makes, it it definitely puts both these guys at a bit of a crossroads where Steve Garcia, like I'm very excited about what this guy can potentially do at 145 pounds. He did more than you would think at 155, considering how small it was for the division. He was actually a pretty good watch there. Uh, For Chase Hooper, um, Bit of a, a bit of a crossroads for him as far as you know he he felt like the last couple of fights have been making some improvements in his striking not to the point where he's even good at it you know just be able to throw something and not be just 100 percent submissions and ground game here though this shows there's levels to this and i just wonder if how many favors were really doing this guy by keeping him in the UFC at such a high level when he's so young and still has so much time to kind of grow and develop? What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting to see what will happen with Chase Hooper's future because he, he is a very good young talent, a bright guy too, like his personality and whatnot. People enjoy him in the community. Only 23, as you said. But there's very, very glaring weaknesses that shouldn't be as difficult to patch up as you would think. He he relies so heavily on that grappling, and he's so far behind in the striking. And Noah's right. Like, we saw a few glances in his past couple fights where he looked a little bit more competent. But it's as simple as this. If someone like Steve Garcia, who is the aggressor, is going to put Chase on the back foot, um, it's over. It's over upon arrival if Chase is not going to be able to get a takedown. And he didn't even have good takedown attempts. He was shooting from way too far away. Steve just had all the answers to the questions. So if you're going to be the aggressor, if you put Chase Hooper on the back foot and just overwhelm him with volume, not only are you going to probably get a win, you're probably going to get a finish on him too. I mean, this he literally got knocked down four times, as Noah said, in a minute and a half. That's not a good stat to have. If, if anything, I'm not calling for him to get released by any means, but like take a – extended layoff to heal the chin and continue working and focus solely on that striking before you come back. Like next summer at the earliest, I'm thinking for Chase Hooper, if I'm him and his team. Good call. Uh, Let's move on to the below average bet slip, Dom. Mm -hmm. Uh, What a week it was to, to, yeah. Don't ever say we lied to you guys. We, we put it in the name below average. There's a reason for that. So, don't ever say that we sold you a, fa- a false uh, bag of goods. Yeah, you know, you know, Noah. You know what hurts the most is that all that progress we made can come unwound so quickly in just a matter of fourteen days, and that's what hurts the most. I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm no longer on my hot streak anymore. Um, <laughs> the, the curse of the Oliveira bet is just going to to weigh me down. I think because. Guys, before last week, I had been for over like a month and a half had been like positive sixteen units. I mean, I couldn't, I could not lose, no matter what I played, and uh, it's all just came crashing down. Yeah, um, it's been tough, but I, I really, and honestly, like it's hard to even enjoy some of these bets that hit because, like Arnold Allen money line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you really enjoy that one? You know, right? It's I don't know the halls delete inside the distance. I mean, can you really enjoy that? 
you know, just the. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it was. It should have been stopped after the the right the injury, but regardless, Dominic, anything that stood out to you here? Oh boy, I think it has to be me putting Chase Hooper on a parlay. I had been seeing all week as I was taking my notes and prepping, <laughs> preparing to build out my bet slip. I knew that the danger was there in a, an aggressive fighter like Steve Garcia, but I just had a feeling, right? I was going toward that recency bias. I was hoping Chase had patched a couple more things up fight by fight, and I was just banking on him to get the fight to the ground at the end of the day and do well down there. Uh, but to put him on a parlay, a guy so young and so green, I, I need to learn from that, I think, going forward when I'm building these parlays. I've had a, a couple like that where I'm kind of not necessarily letting the hype get to me because I do believe in, like, again, I feel confident in all these bets, otherwise I'm not going to play some, but it's more so the learning aspect, hindsight. Someone that's that young and that green, as I said, I just need to prepare more for it in terms of building a parlay, especially when your other half hits and Waldo, Waldo, Cortez Acosta. So other than that, though, I mean, that's about the only one I have a lot of takeaways from. Anderson I had to ride with because he's my guy. And then our Durden Moda under two and a half. Every sign pointed toward that hitting, probably even an under one and a half for that matter, and it goes the distance. So what are you going to do there? Durden went the distance with a guy that came in on short notice and was making his UFC debut. Thought he was going to get the finish, man. But. Did you hear about what Moda had to go through to even make weight and stuff for this fight? No, I did not. He basically had to travel <clears throat> and cut 20 pounds in one day. Wow. Wow. And this fight went to the fucking scorecard. Yeah, the, the fact that he makes it out, yeah, it's impressive. But then if you look at it in the other side of the coin, Durden probably, you know, take more advantage of that. But, yeah, wow. Unreal. And then a split decision. I mean, the three-unit ones. Just... Yeah, when you're losing two three-unit bets, that's six units right there down the drain. That that, hurts. that, does, that Dustin Jacoby one is uh, haunts me at night. But Yeah, yeah. I digress, Dom. We will move on into the closing statements. That's the point of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, do you have any closing statements for this Monday edition? Oh, I'm just going to go back to kind of the opening statements that we had, and I'm going to pop a question from our beloved movie, Scream. What's your favorite scary movie, people? Let us know. Happy Halloween to those who celebrate it. If you're dressing up in our in costumes or anything, let us know what you're dressing up as as well. No, I know he's probably going to be dressing up in something sexy over there. So it's, it's going to be a good Halloween. Everybody stay safe, first and foremost. Enjoy it, friends and family, and uh, let us know what your favorite scary movie is. Yeah, I'm actually in my costume right now. I'm dressed up as a, a bum on the couch who watches football. I really like that. That's creative costume now. Yeah, thanks. So mm-hmm. I think I might just stay in it all year, actually. So <laughs> I like that. My, <laughs> my name's Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average shows, and we will see you guys on Thursday. <laughs>